everyone, and welcome back to another episode of An Uneducated Muggle. I'm your host, Hallie, and I'm here with my husband, who's becoming somewhat educated yeah, I'm, as the weeks have progressed. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm not, maybe I'm not full muggle anyway. I'm, I'm Lance, by the way, but <laughs> is, is there a... Oh, you're still full muggle. I'm still full muggle, yeah. But you're yeah. becoming educated. That's true. About I'm, the non-muggle world. Is there a word for muggles that know about wizards? Mm, lucky? Like, Sure. Like, or we talked about this in the in the book pocket. Are squibs people from the wizard world that yes. can't do magic? Yes. So they're not just muggles that know about wizards. No. That's that would be a separate category. Correct. Okay. So like in this movie, Miss Fang. Yes. She's a squib. She's a squib. So she's basically a squib without magic. Comes from two magical parents usually. Okay, so I would imagine that they would maybe one magical parent, and you could still be a squib. So it's like but, it's like uh, there's like a non-magic recessive gene. Yeah, you know how like twins skip every generation or whatever. Sure. Maybe you have a squib every other generation. Gotcha. Who so knows? it's like yeah, two two uh, brunette parents produce like a red-haired baby. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think all squibs like they know about magic. They want to do magic, but they can't do magic. Something maybe they don't want to necessarily, but yeah. It's, it's in that realm gotcha. of knowing so, about it and stuff. I bet a lot of squibs are upset they can't do magic. I would I would definitely assume so. Yeah. I mean, flinch, flitch, flitch, I can't talk now. A filch? Filch, there we go. Yep. He's definitely irritated. He's pissed, yeah. yeah. So anyway. I mean, yeah, it's like, imagine like, he gets so excited about the prospect of whipping children. That's like, so imagine, disturbing. Imagine what he would do if he could use magic. And that's true. But that's he would why be he a gets... Death Eater for sure. <laughs> I don't. He'd be something. Just yeah. Clinically insane. Are there? Did Death Eaters run like a juvenile detention? Because he would sign right up. That would be his role within yep. the Dark Lord's party. Exactly. An authority personnel. <laughs> yeah. So this week we reviewed. Um, well, we watched. We're reviewing now <laughs> Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix movie edition. So. Um, we'll just start out with our basic opinions. Yep. I thought it was good. Yeah. I really enjoyed the movie from the get-go. I didn't go to sleep once. Hey, hey, that's... No, that's a kudos to me. Oh, that, that I'm not rubbing true. that into you because okay. I fell asleep. But I didn't fall asleep. No. I've fallen asleep through every other movie. Yeah. I was really excited to watch this one. I liked the score. I liked the acting. I liked the cinematography. Um... I really enjoyed the pace of the yeah. movie. It didn't really ever get slow for me. So I overly enjoyed it. Okay. What good. about you? It, this one was kind of like a meh for me. It I, I felt like I was really gonna like this because mm-hmm. of how much I enjoyed the book. But I don't I don't know. It just it never came together for me as an adaptation. I, I don't know if like there I don't feel like the stuff they took out was like, oh man, they took out my favorite scene yeah. stuff. I felt like they made pretty smart cuts. I, I I did like the score. I think the acting, just as a whole, was better. For sure. Um, Given that they all especially had, had um, haircuts, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Everyone got haircuts. Okay. That that was the important thing. Yes. Um, but I I think just the ending didn't come together. Like I didn't feel any tension in the ending. Okay. And. I say the previous movies I've known how they were going to essentially end because I had read the books prior to watching the movies. But this one, I just did not feel like 
taken in by the whole ending sequence in the Ministry of Magic. The and book had you more gripped than the movie did. Yeah, the, the book had me much more interested in, even just from watching from the standpoint of, I wonder how they're going to interpret this, or what is this going to look like on screen? While it interested me, it just did not hold my attention enough to where I started nodding off. Yeah, <laughs> and, I know. And so, I to be fair... I then realized if I'm going to talk about this on the podcast, I should actually watch the full ending of the movie. So I went back and I rewatched the last like half hour of the movie, uh, basically from the point where uh, Harry gets grabbed by uh, the the Inquisitor squad. Yes. On forward, and I didn't really miss much. Mm-hmm. I must have just been like non off in little bits and pieces there because I didn't see anything I don't remember watching the first time. But it just it just didn't. It kind of fell apart at the end for me. I'm sorry. That's okay. It happens. <laughs> was it just because of the whole, the match between Bellatrix and Sirius? No, like I... Anticlimactic? I feel like the entire ending was anticlimactic. Oh, okay. Like, I remember, you know, back when, I think this was the last movie I had to take my youngest sister to. hmm Because I remember going to see the sixth movie, movie with you in theaters. We went and saw the sixth movie? I believe so. I think that's right when we started dating. Um, wow. You must really love me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I remember like, oh shit, wizard fight, mystery of magic. Hell yes. That was actually cool. Cause I just watched all the other four movies with no context. Oh, I see. And now watching it, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what happened. And you're also like 10 years older. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. Just, it just, I didn't feel any sort of tension in the fight and everything. And, I think it just didn't land for me. Okay. I, I think it was it was well made. It just didn't. This one didn't land for me. Okay. So that's my big thought on it. Uh, I'm I'm really glad you liked the movie. Mm-hmm. So aside from like just like the basics, what what are the big things you liked about it? Mm, I really liked basically, even though she's the villain, I liked Umbridge character. Yeah. And I liked the sequence of her becoming the High Inquisitor. And then all the the new decrees. Yeah. Which um, you had said at one point you didn't realize, because uh, just in passing, like, so we didn't really talk too much about it, but um, you didn't realize Filch was such a co- comedian. Co- I'll get it out. <laughs> Comic actor. Yeah. From all his little tidbits of putting up the decrees and running after children and being her sidekick almost. Yeah, yeah. In it's the like, movie. Yeah, I didn't realize that the actor that plays him in, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember who he is at this point, but yeah. uh, I didn't realize how good he was at like background comedic comedy because he was funny as hell Yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Um, so I really liked her and her score that was, because I was even listening again to it today, the Umbridge song. So it's like oh like her her yeah, theme her theme yeah. she had her own like uh vader song no it was really more de- like a little flowy yeah but yeah. It, it was flowy but it's like it was distinctive oh, of yeah. like it's very like i see what you mean like it's vader, like, like yeah boom, you're boom, you're watching a star wars yeah. movie and you're like bum bum you're, you're like, like oh this is umbridge yeah yeah <laughs> you never go like luke skywalker which then like the whole da sequence you know them meeting and having their meetings and working on spells and jinxes that had its own score too which i really liked that whole sequence yeah but then the other besides that um i really like the hall of prophecy within the ministry of magic and then the ministry of magic itself 
with yeah. just the scope of the lobby. Yeah, so. that was a lot bigger than I thought. Yeah, it, it, was, it was when I read it, but it was it was really neat to just see that it was almost grander than my imagination had put to it. Right. So, so, so what did you like specifically about the um, the Hall of Prophecies? Was it like the set decoration, or just like the the, just the whole scene in general, or because like when in the book it doesn't like talk about like because there's so many other rooms they have to go through to get to it. It doesn't give the scope of the height and the magnitude of how deep the room is. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. And just how many prophecies are actually in there. So what about you? What were some of your favorite scenes? Um, like I say, I, I loved the, the detail in the ministry of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the hallway that Harry kept dreaming about, like in the book, I was always like, <laughs> Yeah, it's a hallway with the door at the end. Okay, I get it. Like, there's there's something pulling him there. But then I see it in the movie, I'm like, that's a cool fucking hallway. Like, if I was having a dream about that hallway, I'd be down to open up that door. It's but, just a door in a marble hallway. But it was a cool fucking hallway. What was so cool about the hallway? I don't know. It was just the design, like the black tiles and all the little uh, little divots in the wall. Like, it just, it, it I pictured in my head so when I read the book, like our just to look like this, probably not because that'd be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but just the um, the I I just pictured just a plain rectangle hallway that he was sort of drawn to, mm-hmm. and just like it it looked so different that I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a the Ministry of Magic. It's gonna be weird and just sort of look off, and it's just, I really like the visual design of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh. Anything with Arthur Weasley in it, I loved. <laughs> yeah. Just him, like, trying to figure out, like, the the turnstile on the underground. That's right, yeah. Of just trying to, like, oh, I just swipe my hand over it. Yeah, Wait, he doesn't realize. Why is this? Nobody has God damn it. cards in their hand. <laughs> and then Harry's like, here, you dumbass. <laughs> yeah, here, l- let me help you, sir. I'll, I'll take care of you. Um, the child here will provide for the adult. Yep. I, I love that they address my concern with the book is that the elevators oh, yeah. are just elevators. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool. An elevator that goes front to back. I'm like, yep, that's magic bullshit. Sign me up. Okay. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think Dumbledore is a little better in this movie. Yeah. Like, I guess. I agree with that. More to his character. Correct. Although they made some cuts or like they, sh- they shaved off a lot that I think made the movie for Dumbledore. Yeah, especially at the end. The, the end, that yeah. That whole like one-on-one talk between him and Harry, kind of down to earth. Yeah, they fatherly they, son figure. Yeah, set. they took they took a whole chapter in that and just sort of shaved it down to a page. Mm-hmm. If that, maybe maybe half a page, and th- th- that didn't have the emotional weight. But um, that's into criticism stuff. Um, you can criticize the movie. I, I'm just trying to think about what I really liked oh, about okay. it. Um. Yeah, that the acting was on point. Mm-hmm. For I mean, I feel like this is where all the kids really kind of hit their stride, um, where I'm starting to see them as the characters and not just kids pretending to be characters. These characters, yeah. Um, and yeah, the the Umbridge character is just it. It hit that fine line of a person you want to fucking hate. For sure. Like, it, it's up there with, like, Joffrey from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're just like, I really hate that person. That's a really good acting job. But man, do I want to choke you. I even saw her, like, in some type of Netflix show the other day. I was just scrolling oh, really? through, and I'm like, that's Umbridge. I'm not going to watch that. 
<laughs> so yeah. I, that might have hurt her career. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's apparently she's really good friends with Maggie Smith in real life. Oh, really? And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> so that would be like one of my criticisms of the movie was the part in the book that we both loved, where Maggie Smith or Professor McGonagall um, tells Harry it'll, she'll do anything in her life to make sure that his career is an aura. Yeah. Aura. Horror. Horror. I always say wrong. And so that whole scene, not seeing that was kind of disappointing. But the scene on the stairs of just playing with height between the two of them. That was, was really, comical. That was a really good physical comedy. But very, very good. On point. About just just the, the actress uh, playing Umbridge. Um, oh, Dolores something, isn't it? Uh, well, Dolores is Umbridge's first name. Oh, yeah. Um, this is Imelda Staunton. Okay. And I just love the bit of how she has to take like two or three steps up and Maggie Smith just steps up one. Yeah. She has to go two to her one. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, yeah. The, the the scene about the career counseling, again, I get why you would cut it for the movie, mm-hmm. but you have probably the best like elderly British smartass woman on your staff. For sure. And you don't give her more to do. That's why they cast her as the... Dower, Dowerges Countess in Downton Abbey. Yeah, that, I mean, she just had so many snarky lines that she didn't get to say in Harry Potter. Yeah, when I was falling like, off that show when we were watching that, I was like, eh, "It's all right, Maggie Smith will get me through." <laughs> you didn't like Downton Abbey? I, I trailed off towards the end. the only other scene that was really bothersome to me too was when Harry woke up with his scar hurting. Oh, and the, had the Arthur Weasley attack. Oh scene. yeah, and so they went to Dumbledore's office. And instead of ushering him out, he made him go do occupancy with Snape right away. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? That, uh... That just doesn't make sense. His mind's already been open to the Dark Lord to see something he definitely should. So you're gonna have Snape open it up even more, even if it's for practice? Yeah, I I feel like I get why you would make, like, that transition for a film. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand the filmmaking process of that, but it just felt clumsy. Yeah. It felt rushed. rushed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I mean, that's everybody saying everything about any film now that after Game of Thrones Season 8 came out. Yeah, for <laughs> Everything sure. is rushed. But <laughs> but it was rushed. That that felt like it was just, wait, what? Not just Why Harry are you... Potter. Game of Thrones was rushed. That definitely was. But we was. won't go down that vi- Yes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we'll wait till all the internet hate on that dies down so we can bring back our Game of Thrones podcast. Gotcha. <laughs> was there any other scenes that you just didn't feel were kosher? Um... Or lived up to expectation, or just didn't flow. The the end battle between Voldemort and Dumbledore just I know I talked about this kind of in generalities, but I just didn't get any tension to it. Mm. And I don't know if this is me with my expectations from the book, but they made the point in the book of saying how calm Dumbledore looked through the whole process. Yeah, and. Like, I get Voldemort's a super powerful wizard, but in the movie, there were a bunch of times where Dumbledore was, like, grimacing or, like, kind of, like, fighting back. Yeah. Like, when they're casting spells. And I got the sense, reading the book, that the only time Dumbledore really broke was when Voldemort vanished. And he didn't know where he was. That's true. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's like, I would have loved to see, like, that calmness when he first came out about, like, you know, like, you made us make coming here, Tom. You shouldn't be here. Yeah. I would have loved to see him maintain just that stone face through that whole fight. Mm. Just Voldemort like struggling his hardest and Dumbledore just calmly just dealing with him. Doing his shit. Until like that unexpected bit. 
Where he disappears. Happened. We don't know where he goes. Yeah. And it's all because he possessed Harry. Yes. Now, the positive part of that with the uh, the look of when all the the glass came flying at him and hit Dumbledore's shield and it turned into sand. Yeah. That was awesome. Mm. I think that looked fantastic. It, it it just, it hits that little like science nerd to me. I'm like, oh yeah, glass is just like melted sand and silica. Mm-hmm. I'm like, of course, that's what like powdered glass looks like. And <laughs> I just, I loved like that sort of like real world anchor to this, to like the magic. Gotcha. Because it, it just feels like, oh, they're still in this world. They mm-hmm. just have like the fantastical powers of it. Yeah. Um, and then the only thing that other just sort of like kind of scratched my brain while I was watching it was how many, uh, they're not called mandates. What, what were the orders that Umbridge put Decrees. up? Decrees. Thank yeah. you. In the movie, there were like a hundred some. Yeah. Weren't there like 15 in the books? I don't remember how many there were, but there were quite a few. She would skip numbers and they would point out only like the higher right. significant ones to the okay. characters. Maybe that's where I just, I felt like. But I don't know if there was that many. I think it was over-exaggerating in the movie. It was, sure. but part of me feels like that works because that just shows how much control. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It puts an emphasis on her yeah, and her. Cause authority rule overall yeah i am the high inquisitor does she have a ring on no (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i I really liked the adaptation of the like government propaganda yeah it was interesting arm that hit yeah for sure um especially the conflict it even brought between harry and his uh dormitory roommates yes dean and uh Seamus, yes. Thank you. And so just to see that, like, one was like, you know, against Harry and the other one's like, sorry, mate, but, you know, he's not going to choose Harry over his best friend. So Yeah. It's... <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, folks. Yeah, that was, um, that's kind of interesting. Like, it, the first time you get that reveal, like, oh, right, other people are friends other than Harry and Ron. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that's developing as the books go on. It's like, oh, there's there's more people than just these three yeah. and the Weasley. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, you've got you've got Harry and Ron, you've got uh, uh, Seamus and Dean, mm-hmm. and then poor Neville and poor Hermione. She's kind of out there. We never know who Hermione bunks with, do we? Well, at I least think not to this point. She bunks with Lavender Brown and in- is it? Pavardi? Pavardi. The 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 yeah. Indian. One of the the two of the twins. Yeah. Yeah. So because her twins in Ravenclaw. Yes. So, but I think she bunks with them. That would make sense. So, They're in the I same don't know year. The other. Yeah. Or if there are other girls. Yeah. So. We did drop off all those extra people we saw in like uh the third and the fourth movies. Yeah. Of, like the kid that's in Gryffindor with Harry and it's like, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like, why is he taking class with Harry Potter wearing a Gryffindor tie? Get out of here. You'd, yeah, that's right. He was in... Uh, he was in uh, Divination. Yep. Yeah, we're yeah. like, who is he? Like, I've never seen that What's kid before. What's his name? Is he approved? <laughs> but we're missing something big that I we haven't talked about yet. Okay. Our new character, Luna Lovegood. Yes, we didn't talk about her yet. I love Luna. I yep. want to be Luna's friend. <laughs> I think she's pretty freaking awesome. And so I love her whimsical tell it like it is without really hurting anybody's feelings because she's not you know yeah i you definitely get the sense that nobody takes her seriously yeah but she's spot on a lot of the time right most of the time yeah um 
Yeah, she's played by uh, an actress named Ivana Lynch. Mm-hmm. First movie. Oh, really? It's like her first she acting job. nailed it. Perfect. Yeah. That was yeah. great. I, I know I read something about like the thousands and thousands or hundreds of actresses that responded to the casting call. Mm-hmm. And apparently the director like stopped at her and goes like, that's the one. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, she just has these big uh, round eyes. That is just, like, almost a such a defining feature. Clear blank expression a lot of the time. This like slight little smile. And then it's her hair that gets yeah. me. Long blonde, bleach blonde. Oh, okay. Almost white hair. Yeah. So. Yeah, the it, it's interesting you bring up the eyes because it, it almost reminded me, like, just for a, another contemporary that's really popular right now, mm-hmm. is uh, Remy Malik. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think like that's his defining feature. And he plays his a lot of, like, eyes, yeah. off-putting or, like, mm-hmm. little oddball characters. Yeah. Because he can just, like, all he has to do is open his eyes a little bit and everyone's like, ooh. Yeah, he has almost protruding eyes a little a bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. But, but it's like, yeah, this Ivana Lynch... She has very expressive, wide eyes, mm-hmm. and it helps with that sort of area. And the voice, yeah, is perfect. Mm-hmm. Exactly what on. I thought. Yeah, I just love her. I just think she's fun and um, everything. So I yeah. want to be your friend. <laughs> but um, also, I wanted just to do some of the logistics too. Yeah. To this movie, so because we talked about that last time, so this movie was made in 2007 which was two years after the previous movie of goblet of fire yep which the next one is actually two years after that the next one okay yeah i i do have to withdraw a criticism i made of goblet of fire okay because when we talked about the movie we mentioned like the year and a half gap between goblet of fire and prisoner of azkaban okay and i thought that Oh, they tried to do Prisoner of Azkaban in the summer to get summer budget money, and that didn't oh, work. So yeah. they tried to retreat back to Thanksgiving so they could run. And this one came out in July of 2007. Mm-hmm. And I kind of started seeing the pattern of they realized they can't turn out these movies one a year anymore. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're too in-depth. Yeah, it's like they're they're too in-depth. There's too much to shoot. They're, the special effects are a lot more sophisticated, mm-hmm. which I imagine take a lot longer to render. Yeah. Like, just I can't imagine how long it took to do the the ministry of magic sequence. oh gosh yeah uh, like i, I mean, think that CGI was gi alone yeah that was more advanced than anything they've done up to this point for sure so i have to withdraw that criticism of they're not just chasing money they just needed to take the time to make the movies <laughs> <laughs> it's okay honey i don't think anybody's gonna be upset with you i'm just i know i know i'm I just know. making sure i'm being fair i'm looking at the movie titles and i think i had harry potter the first movie and the second movie uh movie posters but no more after that oh like hanging up in your room yep they were over titanic wow suck it leo (laughs) and kate it was Eh. both of them she's just as good looking as he is fine Eh, that's debatable (laughs) you don't think kate winslet's leonardo dicaprio is a beautiful human being was is and kate's not what is wrong I mean, with you? I mean, yes, but... What? It's yes or no. <laughs> if it's a contest, Leo wins. I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> um, so this is, was two hours and 18 minutes as well. So that, And again, and that produced feels by about, David Yates, like we talked about last time. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess when, yeah. when we say last time... Um, last movie time. No, this is David Yates' first one. This was David Yates' first one? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought the other one was. No. 
Oh, my bad. Nope, it's okay. And I actually noticed... Oh, yeah, that's Mike Neville. Yeah. So, but David Yates is the director of the next, next four, three. Three, three. three. yeah. He, he finished the franchise. Which is good. Yeah, which is... Maybe they were always looking for that, because we talked about how... I guess the original plan was for Christopher Columbus to direct all the movies. Ugh, that'd be terrible. Oh, yeah. We would not be doing this podcast. No. Because <laughs> those movies would have stopped after three. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess, they, sure. I guess they felt they found their guy. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I'm a little trepidatious about. Ooh, big because, word. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like I say, this one didn't really land for me, so I'm kind of nervous about the, the next two books adaptations oh i love i already started reading harry potter and the half blood prince yeah and it's wonderful okay so excited yeah i'm i'm interested to see where the movies go so i'm 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 willing to give them an open mind because i liked i liked all the technical aspects of the movie just not the kind of the end point so i gotcha we'll see Mm -hmm. so um besides I guess the only other thing I'd have to talk about is just, and I already kind of brought it up with you, is just the scene in the Ministry of Magic. The scene between Bellatrix and Sirius just was not on par for me on yeah. how Sirius died. It was like, in the book, it was so much drawn out and such a big factor in Harry going after Bellatrix in order to ultimately meet up with Voldemort and Dumbledore to come into the picture. And that sequence was so much more pressing or just dramatic in the movie versus the serious moment oh i see i see what you're saying yeah um yeah i guess i guess yeah that because in the book it was like they were fighting constantly and then she just got him in the chest and he fell backwards into it where this it looks like she killed him right prior to him falling back through the veil which that that tiny detail i did like because i I got confused by the whole arch and everything like that in the book mm-hmm. and having him get hit by the killing curse and then sort of just disappear into this weird magic arch. Yeah. It it felt more final and you understand more about what happened. That's true. In, in the movie versus I know, book. For, for in the me. book, for the book five, we were debating even on the podcast, like, well, what was the veil? And because you right. had read it. But it just hadn't soaked in that it w- they were in the death chamber. So basically, it was their type of, in our world, the death chamber, <laughs> like in the prison. Yeah, where you hold out a death sentence. Yeah. And, yeah, and it was the, where they're like, Harry, he's gone. Harry, and I just, I had to like flip back for like four or five pages. Like, wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when Jon Snow gets stabbed in the, the A Dance with Dragons. Yeah. And you're like, wait, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> and you read back 50 pages. Yeah. Did I miss something here? Um. But yeah, for him to just get basically shot with a spell, with the de- killing spell, and to fall back, like, because one minute he's talking to Harry, and the next minute she gets him, which right. is such a cowardly thing to do anyway. Now, just to, sorry, I didn't mean to. You're fine. Do you think they cut it down because they didn't have time to lay into the relationship between him and Bellatrix in the movie? Because in the books, they make it perfectly clear, like, several times, like, they're cousins they're in the same family tree um i don't know because i mean they talked about it a little bit harry and sirius did in the family tree room so and like yeah she was brought up a couple different times throughout the movie neville talked about her i, I view her as more of like a room yeah i view her more as like a neville villain than a 
like the relationship to Sirius from from like the movie standpoint. I didn't really. I took it that way in the book too, though. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just. I'm trying to. I just think. Think why you would like cut that back and forth short in the movie. I just think because they could and they didn't yeah. think it was needed to be drawn out as long. But I really thought it was a cool sequence, like yeah. how they all came, the order came flying in and kind of saved the day. Yeah. Take care of the Death Eaters. Um, like at I the last minute. I just wish that would have been highlighted a little bit more. Sure. So, um, yeah. Oh, speaking of, just Helena Bonham Carter as Bellatrix Lestrange. Amazing. Perfect She's casting. crazy. Literally. She is. <laughs> It was nice of Tim Burton to like put her out for loan some other movie. <laughs> yeah, she's nuts, um, but she's very good at it. Yeah. Um on on that note, just like the rest of the order. Mm-hmm. Bunch of new characters we didn't see in were the Were you movies. happy to see Moody again? Very happy. I loved him. Well, he you was, already knew he was in it cuz you were afraid he wouldn't be in book 5 after book 4. So. Yeah, I was like, "Oh man, I like this character, but I I like how Did you miss the part where he didn't have to put his water in the his eye in the water glass? I I mean, that makes <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to see it, but it's like, okay, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, why? I, I, I like, like, the brief, uh, not, yeah, the, like, the brief treatment of that, of, like, mm-hmm. we're rescuing you. Let's go. Get Let's the fuck go. Out Come here. on. I ain't I got time know. to wash out my eyeball. Let's move. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, the return of uh, Mooney. Damn yeah. it. Lupin. Lupin. Thank yes. you. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just his nickname. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lupin was great. Um, uh, Natalia Tenya as Tonks, mm-hmm. which she was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, she was very good. I just um, liked her personality. Yeah, I was playing I, her character they, they, was pretty much on par. Yeah, and they they just have to give you that little like nudge of like, oh look, she knocked something over. She's clumsy. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit here and there, not as much as in the book, but yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta. She's not in the movie as much as she is. Right. In the it's book. it's just like yeah. <laughs> They're in the middle of like uh, occupancy lessons and just cuts to Tonks like knocking over a face (laughs) (laughs) for no reason whatsoever, just to reiterate the point and then cut back. Wonder when it will be the first time like they'll actually adapt a movie that is word for word or scene by scene to the book. Oh, of a book? Yeah. I think Game of Thrones season one is pretty damn close. Really? I, season one, I think, is really, really close to the major huh. beats. Yeah. I mean, they might have, like, you know, cut some fluff or time, but that's the best adaptation I've seen. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe another one exists. Mm-hmm. I know Dune is not it, because <laughs> that's that's an internet nerd fight for the ages. All I can remember, the big one that everybody was up in Aurora about was uh, the Nicholas Sparks one. Um, oh, with uh, Ryan Gosling and... Yeah. Oh, what is that called? I can't called? remember that name i remember a walk in the park but that oh was with no more uh the notebook yes everybody was that's not how it is in the book <laughs> oh shit so, in the book the guy doesn't look like ryan gosling <laughs> yeah um and then the other major the only other like kind of new character was um george harris as kingsley shacklebot which was good which exactly how i pictured him costume and all exactly yeah i just, yeah. just that sort too. of yeah no, yeah it's that is right yeah he's a tall mother he is a tall guy <laughs> um yeah i the the only other thing i really was kind of curious about was um how you felt about the adaptation of the ending like 
What post what? post the the fight with Voldemort and like you know Fudge and all the Aurors show up, mm-hmm. and then like that quiet moment with Harry and Dumbledore. We talked about this a little bit already, yeah, in the podcast. But I was really curious to like get your thoughts on it because I thought okay, <laughs> it was so brief. It was like basically a blink. It was like. Yes, Harry, one of you have to die and one of you have to live. I'll see you next school year. Okay. Basically, that's all it was. Okay, I'm I'm glad you felt because I felt that way, but yeah. I know... It was like, like him like, good more... job, pat on the back, see you later. <laughs> D- did it feel like to you like they just took every bit of emotion out of that scene? For sure. Okay. Yeah, there was nothing there. It could have been so much more, like, but they just didn't want to. I'm... I'm now I feel bad. I want to say Richard Harris is the Dumbledore actor, but I can't remember if that's the original one or... I'll look it up. You keep talking. Okay. But yeah, I feel like they shortchanged everything that he could do because yeah. the whole scene about Dumbledore is like, well, I care too much about you and that's why I screwed up. Like a tear rolling down the cheek or just even like maybe your eyes look kind of wet would sell that scene a lot more. Mm-hmm. But... um the fact that the movie just had none of that just really sort of Richard Harris, sorry, is the first Dumbledore. Is the first one, okay. Yeah. Um Yeah, just it, it felt like they just we don't trust you to act with any emotion. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna sit here, you're gonna say these words at the sixteen year old, and then we're gonna take lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Oh my gosh. Dumbledore in the newer movies doesn't even have first bill. When you say newer movies, you mean like the... Like the four. I'm sorry. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Let's look at... I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, uh, he was in, his first movie was the third one, right? The, yes. Richard Harris passed in between two and three. Oh, my goodness. Poor Dumbledore didn't get any credit. Oh, like he's super down on IMDb's yeah, listing? Yeah, Tom the Innkeeper got credit before him. That has to be based on appearance right oh there he is michael gambon gambon michael gambon okay it's all albus dumbledore there you go yeah it he's a great actor oh very much and they gave him nothing to work with yeah it was just like well no we got it's it's 18 minutes two two hours and 18 minutes we were sorry we gotta cut this part (laughs) all right uh michael here's your lines for this scene he's like this is a post-it what do, what do you, can I get a, like a full sheet of paper with like, where it's not, no, just, it says you sad. Got it. Thanks. Speaking of scenes that were cut, I w- would have been okay if they had cut guap. Yeah, that amounted to a whole bunch of nothing, nothing, right? Yeah. There, there wasn't even like a, they didn't even mention Madame Maxine in the movie, did they? No, no. It was well, just, did Hagrid do that when he... No, he didn't mention her when he was telling a story, I think. Right. But that's it. She's but that not, was it. It was yeah. never like brought up again. They never really... She's not in the book, though. No, no, no. But like they, he gives them the whole rundown in the book about like what they did with the giants yeah. and all stuff. And he's like, I went to look for giants. Came back. I have a brother. What? Yeah. Quiet. Steak <laughs> on my face. <laughs> Watch after him when I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that was... The CGI for the Ministry of Magic was amazing. The yes. CGI for the centaur's faces sucked balls. <laughs> <laughs> or heads. Sucked heads? 
Because that's where horse we balls? Went. Horse sucked balls. Horse balls. Sucked horse balls. Yeah. Because it was awful. That was, they looked like squash faces. That was back to uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone level CGI. But that CGI of that centaur was so much better than the CGI of this I, one. I, I feel like just like the hmm. So much better. Yeah. Well, I think that was probably because it was like a mix of practical effects. I thought back then. It could have been like. It, sorry, that was a uh, troll in the bathroom. CGI from like Sorcerer's Stone. Yes, that is. Where it's the centaur like, looks good, but maybe it was actually like a guy in costume and yeah. then they CGI'd over him a little bit. They just sort of painted over to like smooth it out. But yeah, the, but the this fifth movie, they, those those centaurs were ugly. It, <laughs> just I, ugly. I ugly. feel like I feel like they found the hard drive with that tape on it mm-hmm. after they spent all their budget. They went, oh no. Do we have to pay the interns overtime? Yeah. No? Cool. Oh. Give it to them. <laughs> Here, make a couple seconds of some fugly centaurs. Yeah. Which I I read about the whole, like, the CGI behind uh, Grop. Mm-hmm. And this is the first instance in at least the Harry Potter series where they use, like, actual, like, human motion tracking for CGI. Oh, really? Like, the stuff that's pretty common now of, like, mm-hmm. mapping a human face and they got an actor to play him. Like Gollum and... Gollum or like the the Planet of the Apes yeah. or Thanos. So this was their first time. It was the first well, time it's using come away in a Harry long Potter. Way since then. Yeah, it's Ooh. it's definitely improved. And I just I always I I wonder what that looked like to people that were super into it back then. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, oh my god, Grop looks so realistic. Yeah. Like the way we feel about like video games that came out on the PlayStation One. Mm-hmm. Like graphics will never get better. Yeah, I know. And then, like, you look at it now more than 20 years later? Yeah. Almost 20 years later uh, for this one. And you think, wow, this looked like hot garbage. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always wonder why big established franchises decide, like, give me that brand new technology. There's <laughs> no way it'll bite me in the ass six months from now. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's like, they could have cut that whole part and not had anything to do with the movie. But, mm-hmm. well, hmm. Would would you have been mad if they took Hagrid out of the movie completely? Um, probably. Like, yeah, I probably would have. I I'm I glad. Guess, I guess maybe "mad's" not the right word, but would you have missed? Yes, Hagrid. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they had the whole um cabin part of him telling his story and everything, but I could have done without the whole guap. Yeah. But I mean, he was needed for the whole umbrage to be carried away part. So. Right. But anyway. That's yeah. all I got. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Hagrid was a means to an end. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's all my major thoughts on it too, because I think we touch on everything. Um. Yeah. I. Let's see. I'm. I'm really glad you enjoyed the movie. I. I'm really glad. I'm sorry you didn't. Um, uh, I. It's not that I didn't enjoy it, but I just kind of like kind of shrug it off. Because now you've read the book and you know it's so much more better. Yes. <laughs> um. Oh, the only other thing I wanted to talk about was. No. We're done. Thanks <laughs> for everybody for joining us. This no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I talked about how much I liked Ray Fiennes as Voldemort in the fourth movie. Yes, I loved him in his. Don't you hate his nose? There. I mean, the nose. Do you think? Do you think they had to squash his nose in a little bit? I mean, because he's pretty much like smooth right here, but yeah, it doesn't it's... look like it's protruding smooth. I mean, I mean, I, it looks I'm... like his nose is being <laughs> thrown into his face. I'm curious if they just had to paint his nose green for the shooting. Do you think they painted it green and CGI'd that shit? I, you know it's CGI because they had to like, it's CGI because they had to like make the, uh, like the snake like 
flat face thing. Because Ray Fiennes has a pretty defined nose. So, yeah, they're not smushing his nose. He didn't have to break his nose for this part, is what you're telling me. Well, I'm thoroughly disappointed now. All right, Ray Fiennes, you are a terrible method actor. Hallie says so. That's funny. And see, now you got me thinking about him sitting there and like, I'm going to kill you, Harry Potter. And he's just got a big green dot on his (laughs) face. And Daniel Radcliffe just like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How do you... How do people act when they're just like in a green room? Yeah, I I don't know. That's why they're I, actors. That's why they're actors, and we're and not. I'm not. <laughs> but I loved how casual he was about being the most evil fucker on the planet. Oh, very much. So. Like just he didn't even like Harry always is like has his wand like tightly mm-hmm. gripped like right at like this is a gun I'm ready to use it. Yeah. Do you and, like how he always holds it like? And Voldemort like it's like he's barely holding it with his one thumb and like his four fingers that. are just sort of like dragging around. It's like he is so chill. He does that or he'll like come up above and like hold it down. Yeah, it's like sort of like, like the the like crooked wrist like Yeah. Flamingo. He he never yes. he never <laughs> grips with his other four fingers. It's no. always just like his thumb and that's it. Yeah. And well, I, it's because of those long fuck-ass nails he has. <laughs> those nails on a man are gross. No man should have long, long, long fingernails like that. Well, they gave everyone haircuts. They couldn't afford to give Ray Fiennes a manicure. You got to oh, choose your battles. But yeah, I, I loved how casual he was about being just pure evil. Badass. Just. Literally. Badass. Yeah. Not a good way, badass. It's, badass. I, it's like, you recognize... Darth Vader, super dark, evil motherfucker. Mm-hmm. But you respect his style. Yeah, same as the Dark Lord. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so, but yeah, that's uh, that's all my thoughts, I think. That's it? No more? Are you sure? I'll probably think of something like a half hour, but you're not going to come down here and re record with me, so I think I'll have to cut it off there. So we'll have to put it in next time. Perfect. When you think of them. Yay. <laughs> So, everyone, I hope you loved this rendition of our review of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. If not, too bad, so sad. You're the one who listened. (laughs) (laughs) If not, gotcha. In your face. Um, But if you did like it, please refer it on to a friend. You can give us reviews on any of your iTunes platforms, right? Podcast iTunes, play. Google Play, anywhere you get a podcast. He's the technical guy, so he'll <laughs> say that part. Um, you can also follow us on Puzzle Media on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you like us, come back in two weeks when we will air our review of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince book edition. Yes. So, till then, chip chip cheerio. <laughs> and we'll see you then. <laughs> Bye, guys. Jim Chiru. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cherry. Yeah, it's all going in. What?